0: Welcome to School of Ministry. Um, welcome to Church Growth Course. We'll be considering um, two main topics under the Church Growth Course. Um, and that will be understanding church growth, um, CGC 1, and then the church and the society, CGC 2. Okay, so welcome to class um, I believe you are going to be greatly, greatly blessed. A word of prayer as we begin. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for um, this great privilege you've given us to be here to sit under your word. We pray, Father, that as we uh, proceed in this class, we pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We pray that you will grant everyone an understanding art in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word will come expressly um, unhindered by any satanic force in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We subdue this atmosphere under the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, welcome to School of Ministry once again, and welcome to Church Growth Course. Uh, So let's proceed. Uh, The first thing we want to look at is um, understanding church growth. So, what is church growth? What's church growth all about? You must understand that church growth is essentially the will of God for his church. Okay? It comes primarily as a result of fulfilling the great commission given to the Lord, given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, If you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28 and verse 18 to 20. Uh, the word of God expressly um, instructs us about the great commission. I'd like to read from here. And Jesus came, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke. Take unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. And so right here, we see the great commission. We see uh, the charge that um, the Lord Jesus Christ gave to the church, the body of Christ, the body of believers to go into all nations and preach the word of God and preach the gospel of salvation and teach and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of his son and teaching them, um, to observe all the things that he has commanded us, okay? So we see the great commission there. Um, and the great commission is the charge given to the church, the body of Christ, um, to see to it that the body of Christ as an organism grows, okay? More people are added to the church um, by salvation, by having new converts, people getting born again, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. So let's define quickly what church growth is. And we start first with what's a church, okay? Now, a church is not a physical building, okay, that provides um, an envelope for church services, okay? Um, That's a venue, okay? (laughs) That's not a church, that's a venue, Okay, that's a location where a church is. So what exactly is a church? A church is a body of believers or the body of believers, okay? The body of people who are saved, born again, okay? Born anew in Christ, okay? It's a body of believers. That's a church, a body of believers gathered around um, under the oversights, uh, bringing it down to a local church uh, under the oversight of a pastor, a shepherd. Okay, but primarily the church is the body of believers, a body of believers, a body of people who are saved, a body of people who are who are born again, who have received the life of Christ. If any man be in Christ, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 if any man being christ is a new creature all things have passed away behold all things have become new so a church is a body of believers a body of people who have gone through the new birth people who are saved praise god okay um and so a church growth now in essence means that body of believers. Growing. And by growth here, we mean numerical growth and spiritual growth. Okay. We mean that the number of believers are multiplied. Okay. We have more believers. We have that number, that figure being on the increase. All right. And at the same time, also, we have depth. Okay. The spiritual development of The body of believers, okay, spiritual development. So we can therefore say it's safe to say that the church, um, church growth here speaks of, um, members of the church, you know, increasing numerically as well as in spiritual maturity. So we, 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 we look at spiritual maturity as depth. Okay. Can you say depth? Okay. Spiritual maturity speaks to depth. All right. While, um, numerical growth uh, speaks to breath. Okay. Speaks to breath. Okay. The number of believers being on increase. So church growth is increase and development of the body of Christ. And of course, by that definition, that's different from, um, has such a thing as church swell. <laughs> okay. When a church is increasing numerically and you can't see any tangible um, spiritual development going on there, then you say it's mere increase in numerical uh, growth. Okay? Numerical increase. Okay? Which is good, but there's something better. And that's us having numerical growth at the same time. Depth, spiritual development, of believers, spiritual development of believers. All right. And church growth is also not, um, exodus or transfer or migration. Okay. Once in a while, once in a while, you hear people say, Oh, I, I, well, I, I want to, I moved to another location. So I want to go to another church. I want to attend another, um, church and all oh, another denomination. Um, as beautiful as that is, um, that's migration, okay? Moving from one church to another. But when we speak of church growth, we're saying that the body of Christ globally, there's an actual increase, numerical increase, and at the same time, depth, spiritual development, um, and therefore making for effectiveness of church ministry, okay? So, um Church may increase in number without a commensurate development, which is spiritual maturity. Such increase is not church growth. All right, we've said that before. On the other hand, church may not increase in number, but may have a good chunk of spiritually matured Christians. That still is not church growth. So church growth is a proper blend, a combination of numerical increase in the church, as well as depth, spiritual development of the believers of the church. Praise God! All right. So, uh, very quickly, I want to uh, want to take a look at the Book of Acts and then uh, do an X-ray. Of church growth. Okay. Just see how the early church began and how it grew. Praise God. Okay. But please, um, I want to <laughs> really, really make it bare today that it's God's will that the church should grow. The Bible tells us that I will build my church, Jesus speaking. I will build my church, that's that's spiritual growth, That's, that's church growth. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it's God's will that the church of the living God grows. That is, increases numerically and as well as in depth, spiritual maturity, spiritual development. Okay. It's God's will. Never buy into, um, the idea that, well, um, the small we are, the better it is. No. <laughs> it's, it's not in the Bible and it's not true. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew 16 and verse 18. So we, we, we look quickly into um, the word of God, and we see um, how that it's got way for the church to increase. Okay. Now, if you look at um, church, um, examples of church increase, numerical increase now. Okay. Acts chapter six, Acts chapter six and verse seven. Acts chapter six and verse seven. um i read from here. Hack chapter six and verse seven, okay? Um, when there was um, a mom- murmurings of the Grecian widows, okay? Um, in the early church, and then the apostles came together and then um, resolved that issue by delegating and saddling some people, um with the responsibility of overseeing the ministration, daily ministration to the widows, such that um, none is left out. Let's let's see what the word of God says here. Immediately after that that conflict was resolved, we see here in Acts chapter six and verse seven, the Bible tells us that, and the word of God increased, and the number of disciples, did you see the word number there? The number, that speaks to um, numerical increase. What happens to the number of disciples? The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Okay, You see, as a church, our number ought to multiply greatly. That's God's will for us. Whatever church you belong to, whatever local assembly you belong to, know it for sure, that it is God's will that that church Grows That there is numerical increase. Numerical increase. People are added to the church. The church is growing numerically. Okay. So we see here that the number of the disciples multiplied. Okay. The word of God increased. Then the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And then he said, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. You see the word the number of disciples increased, what? Greatly, multiplied in Jerusalem greatly as great multiplication there. And then you see again, a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. That that speaks to in, in large numbers, in large numbers. So numerical increase is part of church growth. Now, if you go to Acts chapter two and verse 46, <clears throat> You see again there, um, just after the church was inaugurated, the New Testament church was inaugurated, okay? You see there that, um, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with what? Gladness and singleness of heart. And look at verse 47, praising God, having favor with all the people and the Lord Added to the church daily, such as should be said, daily. The Lord added to the church daily, daily, daily. It's God's will that that local church where you are should greatly increase. The number of believers should be on the increase on a consistent basis, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. It's God's will numerical increase so never 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 buy into the idea that well um uh, maybe the pastor is too um, is in the overdrive has to um, getting people saved and getting people to come church because that's god's will god wants the number of disciples to multiply greatly to be on the increase to be on the increase okay that's god's will Okay, uh, one more scripture and let's um, lay that to rest. Isaiah, Isaiah uh, chapter, number, chapter number two and verse two. Isaiah chapter two and verse two. The Bible tells us, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house, the church, shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be what exalted above the eels and all nations, all nations, he says, shall what flow unto it. And many people, mark the word uh, the words all nations, and mark the words many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. You see that? The mountain of the Lord, the church. The church. To the house of the God of Jacob. And he will what? Teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord. From Jerusalem. So it's God's will, brothers and sisters, that there should be numerical multiplication, numerical increase in our churches, in every local assembly. It's God's will. Okay. And then talking about spiritual development, spiritual growth. Okay. Ephesians chapter four and verse 11 to 15. Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Okay, verse 12. For what? The perfecting, the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, in verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in way to deceive. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So it's God's will for all believers to grow up into Christ. It's God's will for all believers to be matured. Okay, God doesn't want big babies in church. You got saved two years ago, and you're still acting like a babe in the things of God. Amen? That's not God's will. God expects you to start walking by now. God expects you to start taking responsibility for all the people in your local assembly. So it's God's will for us to grow spiritually. Spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Okay? And then again, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. Okay, Paul speaking about um, uh, converts here, he said, my little children, uh, speaking to those who um, God saved through him, uh, God, those whom God used him to uh, bring into the faith. He said, of whom I travel in birth again until Christ be formed in you until Christ be formed in you. So the goal is that Christ be formed in us. Okay, the previous scripture we read talked about growing up into Christ. So Christ is the end, Christ is the end point, amen? (laughs) And we're all maturing unto the fullness of Christ, okay? So church growth here speaks to, again, numerical increase, And spiritual development. Okay, so very quickly, let's trace the trends of things um, as regards church growth in the early church. All right, the early church and the New Testament church began in Acts chapter two, when um, the disciples—about Bible told us about one twenty of them—were gathered in the upper room. And waiting on the Lord and praying and ministering to God. And then the Holy Ghost came upon them. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. That was the early church, the first church, the beginning of the New Testament church. Okay. And the Bible told us that in Acts 2 verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the old house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit mm-hmm. gave them utterance. Not only were they filled with the Holy Ghost, they got born again. They were recreated. Both happened at the same time, that was the beginning of the New Testament church. And that was when the Holy Spirit, you know, um, came, stepped uh, into the, the new man, uh, born again believers at the upper room. Okay. it got born again and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. All right. So there were about 120 people right there. The Bible says so, right? It's right there in the, the book of acts <clears throat> in book of acts um chapter 1 praise god forevermore where he told us about the number of the believers that were there okay All right, Acts chapter 1, we have verse 13 and verse 14 and verse 15. In verse 14, the Bible tells us that these all continue with one accord in prayers and supplication. Acts 1, 14, with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren, verse 15, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and and said, and then they told us the number of names together were what? About 120. So from Acts chapter 2, verse 2, we can deduce that about 120 disciples in the upper room got born again and got filled with the Holy Ghost. So the church began with those people, about 120. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What a, what a humble beginning. And now we have a body of believers um, across the globe, across the globe, glory to God. But it all began in Acts 2, and verse 2, with about 120 um, disciples, praise God. Now, afterwards, when they got filled with the Holy Ghost and they were all speaking uh, with other tongues, and then, you know, people in the vicinity came around and came to uh, see what was happening and were astonished, were shocked because they also heard them um, speak with them, speak to them. They could understand what they were saying, even though they were speaking their own tongues. Everybody heard them um, as they spoke in their own tongue, praise God. And then something happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Paul stood up because the people supposed that they were drunk. I'm, I'm sorry, rather, Peter, Apostle Peter, stood up in the midst of those about 120 disciples that got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he began to speak and preach the gospel under the power of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible told us in Acts 2 41, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, that then they that gladly Received as a result of that sermon. That first sermon. Glory to God. Amen. And the same day they were added about what? 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. Glory to God. Uh, it's right there in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, okay, Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, when they heard what Peter had said, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? (laughs) And then Peter said unto them, verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And verse 41 told us, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about, what, 3,000 souls. So that day, we can tell that we now have about 3,120 church folks, people who are saved believers glory to God hallelujah you see how the church is increasing numerically okay and then uh, in that same um, act chapter 2 okay if you read verse 46 the bible told us and they that means all those people who were already converts believers born again okay they continue daily you see that daily With one another, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did hit their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord had that to the church daily, such as should be saved. So we see there again in Acts chapter two, verse 47. After those 3,000 people had joined the 120 people. The Bible told us in verse 47 of Acts chapter 2 that people got born again. People were getting saved again and again. So that uh, the Lord added to the church daily, daily. People were getting saved daily, getting born again daily. Hallelujah. Believers were added to the church daily. Praise God. Daily, daily. So it's God's will. You see how the early church began to increase numerically? Because that's God's will. The first church is a template for all of us, all churches today, that is God's will for us to increase numerically. And as well, um, depth. Depth, spiritual development. Okay? Okay. And then again, if you look at Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, okay, we're tracing the growth of the church. Acts chapter 5, <clears throat> okay, a lot of miracles and signs and wonders were wrought by the apostles, and prayers were going on, and teachings were going on. And then we see here in Acts chapter 5 and verse 14. <clears throat> You see, again, the Bible told us that unbelievers were the more added, you see, more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. See, more people were, you know, coming in, coming in, getting saved, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, more people, amen, more people. That's what the Bible says. It said, the more, okay, believers were the more, the more, the more added to the Lord. Added to the Lord. And multitudes, that means we can't count them. Many people, multitudes. Both of men and women. You see that? More added to the Lord and multitudes, men and women. Again, in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter (laughs) 6 and verse 1, the Bible told us, and in those days, (laughs) when the number of the disciples was multiplied. You see, when when it came to the issue of converts, people getting born again, it was a matter of multitudes. It wasn't in trequence, multitudes. Multitudes, that means in their numbers. In their numbers, in their numbers. Praise God, in their numbers, okay? So the number of disciples was multiplied, glory to God, multiplied. And there arose murmurings of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were, not, were neglected, you see? But the point here is multitudes, the number of disciples was multiplied, was multiplied, multiplication multiplication, numerical increase, praise God. And then you see again in Acts chapter six, okay, <laughs> that began. And then again, we had um, um, a little challenge that was resolved. Um, that had to do with logistics and distribution of uh, ministrations to the saints, of, particularly to the widows poor widows praise God and then immediately things were put in place proper structures were put in place the Bible told us in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7 okay we're still tracing this church growth thing in the early church verse 7 and the word of God increased and the number the number of the disciples did what multiply there was there was a leap again there was a leap again multiplied in Jerusalem greatly greatly this was no small multiplication you see if if five people came to church you won't say the number of disciples multiplied greatly would you, you no know? if uh, six people came to church you won't you won't say the number of people multiplied greatly if if 10 people came to church you say wow quite a number came about 10 people but you see when you when you when you say multitude multiplication you see, the words <laughs> multiplied greatly. In first, a large number of people were saved. Praise God. And then he said a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And we see this on and on and on and on. And then, you know, in Acts 8, there was a great persecution. Um, and then the disciples were being persecuted and then um, uh, quite a number of disciples left Jerusalem and went to other places, traveled out of Jerusalem because of persecution. That was when Saul of Tarsus also arose and began to persecute the saints, the, the, the believers, the body of believers. <laughs> but that didn't stop the church. <laughs> the more the persecution, the more the increase. Amen. The more the increase. Acts chapter 8. Verse 1, the persecution arose, (laughs) and then the disciples traveled around different, um, out of Jerusalem, okay? And then if you go to Acts chapter 8, verse 5, and then Philip, the Bible told us Philip went to Samaria. (laughs) And when he got there, he preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things, the people gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. The people, and that translation says, multitude, multitude, Acts chapter eight, verse six. So you see, the when persecution even arose, it made room for the disciples, um, the believers, um, to leave Jerusalem. And as they traveled to other cities, they began to preach the gospel. They began to preach so people began to get saved as well. Philip went to Samaria and people got saved the end. The, the Bible told us the entire city of Samaria was overwhelmed with joy, was won, saved, glory to God. You see how it's God's will for us to increase. A church to grow from 50 to 100, from 100 to 200, from 200 to 500, from 500 to 1,000, and then planting churches, planting churches, planting churches until the entire city is overwhelmed and is filled, glory to God, with believers. Hallelujah. Amen. You see the trend. And then again, you will see Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. love amongst the believers people gave of their substance supported each other amen supported the preaching of the word of God a giving of their substance of their money amen <laughs> you see that teachings were going on the apostles kept teaching the word of God in Acts 6 verse 7 this, uh, the apostle said we will not leave Acts chapter 6 Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. It said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. We see that the teaching of the word of God went on and on and on. The teaching of the word of God went on and on and on. And believers established in the faith. Believers grounded in the words of, of, of truth. Amen. Going on. Praise God. Going on. It's so, so important that we. We know that, Amen. <clears throat> Praise God, Hallelujah, Amen and Amen. So it's God's will for us to have church growth, miracle increase, as well as depth, depth. The teaching of the Word of God kept going on and on. Then love, you can see love being facilitated. You can see oneness, brotherhood, Amen in the body of believers. It's right there in Acts chapter four, okay, verse 32. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them hot any of the things which they possessed was their own, but they, were, they had all things in common. Love, love, <laughs> love. And then with great power gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them. So we see that the preaching of the word of God went on. Love went on. Amen. They were moving from house to house, breaking bread, fellowshipping together, enjoying the company. And then the Bible stood they continued in the uh, apostles' doctrines, in the teachings of the apostles. Praise God. And that's very, very important. I, I, I believe we got that. Okay. So it's God's will undoubtedly that um, we... We, the church, experiences growth, numerical increase, and in spiritual development. Okay, so we want to look at church history in Nigeria. It's good to have a little um, understanding of where we came from. <laughs> I tell you the truth, we're standing today on the sacrifices and the labor of missionaries and other believers that long ago gave themselves to the work of ministry, gave themselves to the preaching of the word of God and, and saying to it that lives are changed, people are saved, people are established in the faith. Okay? So church history in Nigeria. The good news is I believe among a lot of missionaries, Amen. (laughs) It's a blessing and a privilege to be those who have saddled with the responsibility of extending the gospel of Christ to other people. Um between nineteen eighteen and nineteen twenty-five the missionaries came from Portugal, came from a country's, um, western world and brought the gospel to us. They came into the southwestern part and south-southern part of Nigeria and <laughs> the power of precedence. <laughs> That's why the southwestern part and the south, um, south-south and southeastern part, um, you see a stronghold of Christianity. Why? Because that was where uh, the missionaries, you know, first landed and first reached out to our great, 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 great grandfathers, to our great, 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 great grandfathers. Amen. of Christ to them. Establishing um, a main hero was through the Ministry of Helps, Healthcare, Education, Baptists, Catholics, Presbyterians and some people got saved and some became you know religious there were tracts distributed You had mass evangelism you have you have rather you had means of evangelism and uh, but really a lot um was not achieved as a result of the work of the missionaries but there was an impact the seed was sown the impact of missionaries were min- were minimal due to the stronghold of tradition, idolatry, um, uh, which resulted in religious Christianity, as we can see today. And just afterwards, um, prayer groups began, prayer cells. There, there was this hunger in the hearts of pockets of people here and there, groups of persons here and there. And people praying, crying to God, seeking God, you know. And these tracts that were distributed by the by the missionaries got in the hands of some, um, some of these new converts. And then prayers, desires, you know, I, I went on to the Lord, praise God. Small groups of believers that were product of the tracts distributed by the missionaries began to pray for spiritual awakening. Okay, desiring that the level of light and revival that was is en- being enjoyed in the Western world should come to Nigeria, prayers went on, and then we had the Apostolic era in nineteen eighties to the nineteen forties. Praise God that came out of that move of the prayer groups here and there, people praying, calling upon the name of the Lord. You remember how that the cry of the Israelites in slavery in Egypt came up to God and God said he was going to send them a deliverer. So God answered their prayers and sent them Moses. And God answered the prayers of these groups of people. That's why never underestimate the power of prayer. Never. If you're a believer, you know, (laughs) you know, a lot goes on in the realm of spirit. A lot. The gospel is not, is not um, complicated in English words, in English language, as it were. <laughs> the gospel of Christ is not English language. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And power is generated in prayer. In prayer. In prayer. So the apostolic era came upon the church in Nigeria. As a result of the prayers, intercessions of the pockets, these prayer groups, and uh, pockets of prayer groups here and there, and then we had the Ayobabalolas that uh, came apostle, the great uh, late Apostle Ayobabala of Christ Apostolic Church in the Southwest, and a couple of other ministers that arose uh, during this apostolic era, and with this strong apostolic anointing, broke the stronghold of idolatry. Brought deliverance to communities. People were saved. Uh, The power, the old of the wicked one was broken. There were terrific signs and wonders that were brought in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, the scripture union revival. You see, when people began to be saved, people began to know that, wow, the power of the gospel. Wow. Wow. God is a good God. Wow. Wow. You know, darkness was, um, <laughs> was, was driven out and then the light began to shine. <laughs> light began to shine. And then the Christian union came, the Christian union era. And their motto was, you must be saved, praise God. <laughs> you must be born again. Holiness unto the Lord. This battered love, uh, gave birth to love contemporary ministers like Pastor Iadebui, Pastor Kumui, Bishop Francis Wiley, okay, and others was a teaching revival, establishing understanding. Okay. When, when that, uh, apostolic anointing broke out and people got saved and were delivered. And then God began to raise ministers that began to, um, teach the word, the teaching revival, began to stress on salvation, began to stress on, on holiness unto the Lord. Amen. The very basics of our faith and the foundation of the faith. And it came with a lot of passion and zeal. Wow. So much that the gospel penetrated the far north and into the middle belt. It lasted a very long range of time because of the attacking spirit of evangelism. Okay. The life of total commitment to the Lord and his glorious gospel, okay? The people of the Christian Union era believed so much in the gospel, were passionate about it. They went all out. They went out of their their comforts, uh, their, their personal comfort, and began to reach out to others. And began to reach out to their society. Began to reach out to their community. Began to reach out in their workplaces. Yeah, there were little excesses here and there, but many souls were saved. A lot of our parents got saved during the SU movement, a scripture union revival. Praise God. And then God began to bring in the charismatics in the early 70s, to the um, late eighties, the charismatics who began to teach and preach on the gifts of the spirit, that there is more to salvation. There is more to being saved. You can receive the spirit. You can, you can demonstrate the power of God. You can walk in the gifts of the spirit. Praise God. And they began to establish these teachings in the body of Christ. And people began to hear, yes, there were uh, contrary opinions, persecution around there, but that, that message thrived. They launched the church into the understanding of the working of the miraculous, the understanding of it during the apostolic era, there was a lot of display of the power of God, but people didn 't know people didn 't understand the dynamics, how to sustain it, how to walk in the power of God, but through these charismatics, the understanding of walking of miracles and praying in tongues and gift of spirit, you know, and, and it's all many-sided manifestation began to seep into the church. The teaching and preaching of prosperity, you know, came to light and emancipated the church from the uh, uh, choking claws of poverty. <laughs> Praise God. Now, of course, we have the great, uh, the late heart bishop Benson Dowser and a host of other ministers who pioneered that move Of the charismatics in the body of Christ. Okay, so we see that God began to move the church. You know, from one phase to the other, from the um, um, the missionaries who brought in um, the gospel through ministry of helps. You know, health, medicine, um, medical outreaches, and then as well through. Um, the prayer movements that stemmed out of that. And then the apostolic era. And then from the apostolic era, we have the SU movement. From the SU movement, you know, we have the charismatics and on and on and on and on. And God is still moving his church forward. Now, one of the very important things we must learn about this church history is that whatever God has done and instituted, in a particular move is meant to be carried into the next move. Okay. Um <laughs> we, we are not meant to grow out of it. We are meant to grow up. Okay. Take it along, side. So the holiness, um, um, justification by faith, okay, is true. Being filled with the spirit of God is true. Walking in the, g- the gifts of the spirit is true. Amen. Reaching out. Having heart for lost souls is is good. The church is supposed to be an embodiment of all these movements. The church should be a praying church. The Bible tells us that my house shall be a house of prayer. A house of prayer, he said. So there's nothing wrong in, in praying, in giving ourselves to prayers. Okay? So we're not supposed to. Reject a particular move for us to accept another move of God. We are meant to hold on to all the lessons and everything that God had released in each movement so that we can enjoy the best of God as believers. And that's God's will. So it's right to be holy today. It's right to preach holiness it's right to walk in the gifts, the power gifts, the gifts of the spirit. Amen and amen. And you shouldn't point accusing fingers and say, Oh, that person is an holiness preacher. That one is a faith preacher. Okay. Is it right to be holy? Is it right to be in faith? And take those different, um, dimensions of the faith and drink it in and make use of it, and walk in the reality of the word of God. Praise God. So there can only be church growth when the word of God is preached, and is preached with great passion, attacking evangelism, alongside with the display of the power of God. Amen. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. So it's important to know that numerical increase and church growth will be achieved two things. By achieving, church will be achieved by achieving numerical increase at the same time spiritual development. How do we achieve numerical increase? By attacking evangelism, taking heed to the Great Commission, reaching out. The early church were persecuted in Acts 8, that, that made room for them to reach out much more and get all people saved, converted. Praise God. So attacking evangelism, a strategic mission, planting churches all around. And then how would we achieve, um, spiritual development? to um, <laughs> love work, love work and structured um, leadership and discipleship program going on in the local assembly. This is very, very important. Praise God. So American increase, attacking evangelism, strategic missions, we are on the attack. You are going out again and again to preach the gospel. Amen. And planting churches. And then alongside um, discipleship and leadership structure, effective pastoring okay, managing the increase, ensuring care, love, okay, an atmosphere of love is cultivated in the house, praise God, and then church operating like a family. And that's how we can see children. And if you look at yourself right now as a believer, you see that you have a role to play in this. And that's the point of this course. Uh, you have a role to play if you are a ministry gift, are you being called Into the fivefold ministry, any of the fivefold ministry. You have a role to play as a believer. If you are not in the (laughs) fivefold, if you've not been called into fivefold ministry, you have a role to play. You have a role to play in being an ambassador of the faith. We all have the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay, that's why when the church talks about evangelism, you ought to be involved. It's a body thing. It's not a pastor thing. It's not a minister thing. It's a body thing. It's a body of Christ thing. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter five, <clears throat> as we prove. Second Corinthians chapter five, and then we read um, verse. <clears throat> verse 19 verse 18 and all these things are of god who had reconciled us to himself by jesus christ and had given to us all believers the ministry of reconciliation what's this ministry of reconciliation about to with that god was in christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed unto you and i The word of reconciliation. He has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation, and he has committed to you and I the word of reconciliation. Now then we're ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. You see that? So we have been committed. The word of reconciliation has been committed to our hands. That means as a believer it's your responsibility to reach out with your faith and tell people about your faith and get people saved and get them to come to church. And and when you find new believers and people who just got saved in church, rally around them, love them up, praise God. Let them be comfortable in church. People shouldn't come to church and they feel like they'll be better off if they hadn't been in church. No. A church is a family, and when they come in, we rally around them, we love them up. we encourage them, we're there for them, we're teaching them the word of God and showing them the life of Christ that we have been called to live. Praise God. Okay? So it's important that we understand that we all have a role to play. So a workable discipleship and leadership, um, uh, leadership developmental structure must be in place effective pastoring and follow-up structure must be on ground. So when your pastor says, go and follow up that person, don't grumble. (laughs) Don't feel well. This is too much. You understand? This is a global thing. (laughs) This is our job. (laughs) Praise God. This is your job. Amen. As a believer, (laughs) nobody must beg you to do your job. Ephesians. Chapter four and verse 12 for the perfecting of the saints for what the work of the ministry verse 11 to 12. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for, for the perfecting maturing of the saints for, for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of believers. All right. So it's your job. It's my job. The ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation has been committed to our care. Praise God. And it's God's will that your local assembly, as a believer, you ought to be bothered if your church is not growing. You ought to be bothered. Amen. You ought to be bothered because it's your job. It's my job. Amen. Now, don't belittle the influence God has given you, the people around you, okay? Reach out with the gospel. Tell them Jesus loves them. Invite them to your church (laughs) Encourage them for the special programs. And you see that as we do that, we would see this dream and will of God for the church and church growth, multiplication, multiplication. Praise God. I believe you've been blessed today. Um, thank you and god bless you in jesus name amen